Is Robert Mueller a doddering old fool, or is he crazy like a fox? The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. So I try to look at the news of the week and figure out what it really means and what it really means to us. It all looks like theater to me. It's never really about profoundly important policy. The Robert Mueller testimony, which focused on his report of Russian collusion uh, on behalf of the Trump administration or obstruction of justice on behalf of the Trump administration, even if anything anybody wanted to pin on these guys was true, it still doesn't get to any meat of the matter. What policies are we worried about Russia influencing? What what are the real policies at stake here? And are these the greatest threats to our liberty, to our policies, to our way of life? I think the scandal itself is the greatest threat to our system, to liberty, to justice. From using this to federalize elections, which would make our elections much, much more vulnerable than the decentralized system it is now. They would have to hit state by state, in or, and supposedly they did. I don't believe it for a minute. But that's one of the things that this could lead to that would be a threat to our liberty. Other things are specifically with regard to the Mueller testimony from this week, where across the board, people suggested that this guy came off like a doddering fool, senile, not the true author of even his press release, much less this Mueller report. That in itself serves to undermine faith in the system. Now, if you know me, if you know my show, you realize I'm a libertarian in the extreme to the point where I'm an anarcho-capitalist. I actually believe that this territorial monopoly on the use of force, this monopoly government, is has a conflict of interest with our with with what we would actually do if we were governing ourselves and defending our own liberty, because the power that they have relies on our sense of physical and fiscal insecurity. And because they are they have that power, I'm not one to say, oh, you've got to respect, you know, the government. But I'm an anarcho-capitalist because I don't believe in the in that overarching government having total power. Doesn't mean I'm not for order. I believe society is self-ordering. But okay, we don't have that society right now. I'm pretty happy with if you're going to have this overarching monopoly on the use of force, in my opinion, the American experiment was the last the last gasp, the last hope for a just government, a self-limiting government. And because of the Bill of Rights, in my opinion, we have managed to keep at bay the actually Leviathan government that the Constitution itself has as its potential. It's really not as limiting as I would like it, like as the Articles of Confederation were. But we have the Bill of Rights. So we have all these protections that are the trade-off for this very powerful government. So since we live in this system, the, I want to take to actually be protected by the protections that we've gotten from big government, from uh, 
from exploitation by those people who have that monopoly power. And part of that is making sure that justice is done, true justice, justice in a in uh, an orderly fashion, particularly process. Process is very important. Jury trials, transparency. I really focus on this stuff because it's our only way to really make sure that we have these protections. So when you have attempts from different quarters to say the system as it is doesn't work, process doesn't work, we need to go outside the system, they're not talking about an anarcho-capitalist sense of pure self-defense and no monopoly of coercion. They're talking about riots and group justice, collective justice, social justice, none of which means anything, in my opinion. Individuals are the ones who suffer. Individuals are the ones who act. Individuals are the ones who have rights that need to be protected. So I've been noticing over uh, last year, especially numerous cases where people would come out and say, we have to take matters into our own hands because the system isn't working. And they use Trump as an example. He shouldn't be president. Even if democracy is the reason he's there or a democratic system, then that's failing. I, I coined an expression, right, rules are rules, but right is right. Or facts are facts, but truth is truth. That The rules are rules, but right, and right, right is right was actually a quote from one of the guys who did the Starbucks, I would say, PSYOP, public relations thing, where he he broke the rules of Starbucks. They called the cops. They, the guys were unruly, according to the police report, but these guys were hailed as heroes, and their their the mantra or the the bottom line with this guy was rules are rules, but right is right. So I don't have to follow the rules because I know what's right. And I and um, my producer Binkley, of course, always uh, at the ready with great insights and uh, research material. He's been right along with me in this, and he was focusing a lot on. Michael Moore kind of taking the same angle. Binkley, first of all, hi, how are you? Fantastic. How are you? <laughs> Doing great. I uh, I noticed when this Mueller thing first came down this week. So the Mueller report came out and then Mueller was called to testify before Congress. And uh, his testimony was widely regarded as sketchy at best. And I noticed a tweet by Michael Moore that said, basically, uh, all you people who thought you would get justice by waiting for the Mueller report, you can just STFU, shut up right now or whatever. And that to me clicked that the reason the Mueller report, the, the reason Mueller was coming off as senile was was to serve a different agenda. And that gave me a clue as to one of the possible agendas, which would be if you think the system is working you had your chance. You waited patiently. It's not working. Time for phase two. Do you, does that seem consistent with Michael Moore's basic position? I'm not as familiar with him. Yeah, as it's are. time for the young people to lead. Michael Moore pushes that. Do, does he? Do you feel like he comes out with the the law doesn't really matter kind of stuff Absolutely. like the rest of them? He's very much a revolutionary. He tries to position himself that way. And it's funny that you should say it's time for the young to lead is one of his things because. But because Parkland and Mueller, the two, I'm going to call them, you know, they're both whatever the nature of the actual incident is. The 
they are being exploited for agenda. So Parkland had both features that the Mueller thing seems to have. One is they did say uh, repeatedly, like in their little like speeches, uh, don't worry about following the rules. And even these walkouts, supposedly the student walkouts at school to protest gun rights or whatever, they they were told, like, not to worry about breaking rules. And that's when that whole age dialectic was launched, the dialectic meaning one side against the other. And then you get to a middle ground, which is really was the purpose of that whole game in the first place. And I actually a couple of years ago said, watch out for an age dialectic coming down because it's one of the few things that they haven't exploited yet, just simply because it hadn't been exploited. So and now with Mueller, uh, this one was I thought this was a great insight of yours about how that the Mueller thing plays into it to the age. Oh, the age thing. Yeah. Making him seem senile because he's too old. He's about the same age as Trump. Same thing they're doing with Biden, making him seem kind of senile because he's too old. I think that down the road a little bit, it's going to be, well, you see how senile all these old people are. Trump's the same age as them. You can't nominate a senile old person. And I think they might even would take it one step further because with the Parkland stuff, they were saying the young guys, we should lower the voting age. I mean, one of the you had a funny thing. It sounded like a parody, but like the guys didn't even seem to be joking. Like there should be no lower limit to who can vote. Yeah, once it becomes life, you can vote. Podcast America or whatever. (laughs) And uh, so – I wonder if they'll put an upper limit on voting. Say, okay, 15 to 75 can vote or 15 to 65. That's a good point. Or just working age because I don't like the age dialectic is so funny to me because everybody gets older. Like you're, you're going to move from one identity to another. It's, it's a mutable, it's mutable. It's going to change. And you can recognize that in this lifespan, you have some years where you're not working. So people are like, oh, people make uh, people. We need a we need a higher minimum wage because you can't raise a family of four on ten dollars an hour. It's like, but you're not. You're a 15 year old getting money for uh, Starbucks. You know, you're not. It, different ages have different needs. You can't just have these blanket ideas. And there and as as they try to use technology to separate the generations, which they definitely do, you can see that, like the kids are being raised by their phones, basically. And they are separating people out, but there is a certain level of maturity and experience that's required for you to have the perspective of how much power you want to give these people, how much you want to trust them. Even if your ideology doesn't change, you have to assess the the way that the system is set up and how easy it is to exploit and for that reason alone put some limits. And even if you want to, like, put everybody's money in a pool and then hand it out again, who's holding the bucket? <laughs> you know? Michael Moore, perhaps. Yeah, he's he. it is kind of hard to swallow when some of these guys who are so, so rich and successful in the system. Do you know I mean, when Alec Baldwin does like bank commercials, you just, yeah. just got to like, oh, my goodness gracious. So I wouldn't trust those people to tell you what your politics should be either. And they're not 15. You know, they're the man. Right. They're the ones <laughs> programming the 15 year olds. Right. So uh, I love the clips that you pulled of the Mueller testimony. I think that that's over and over again, you can see 
patterns, both from the congressman and from Mueller's responses, that I think give the lie to the idea that this was all spontaneous and authentic. Did I mean, what was your impression? I didn't see a senile old man. I saw uh, a lifelong operative effectively using the deflection and deception skills that he'd been trained to use his entire career for to to give what impression for for one. I, I think he wanted to give off that impression. that He was old. I also think that he wanted to fill up the time and not actually answer any challenging questions that he was presented with. That's interesting. And since the congressman seemed to be playing right along with this whole act, I wouldn't be surprised if that was on everyone's agenda because and we can also get into this. There is, if you look at the Mueller report, there is no solid evidence of Russian, <laughs> yeah. even though they all say there was. And all of these narratives where the congressmen are saying Trump did this, Trump did that. He said this. He said that. That stuff is just it's actually double hearsay. It's not even in evidence in the Mueller report. I can explain that later on when we get to some of the details. But it would be hard to field real questions because there were no real answers in that very long and overrated report. It was nothing (laughs) the whole time. I know. All right. So let's take a break. And I'm happy to if people agree that he's senile or not senile or there's a a game at work, give me a call. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK or tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Evil does seek to maintain power by suppressing the truth. On News 95.5 and AM 750, WSB. We're going to go straight to the phones, 404-872-0750. I'm going to Harry in Woodstock. Harry, you're on with Monica. Well, hello. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I just wanted to make a comment about the report. Uh, the It looked to me like it was completely slanted not only from uh, his point of view, but from the people he had hired to do it, and that he was avoiding the questions by saying, I didn't hear it, I didn't understand, that's something I won't speak on. So he really, it was all a big uh, uh, puff of smoke. didn't mean anything. And uh, thank you for letting me uh, get on your program. That's great. Thanks so much, Harry. So uh, I have to say, I think that, that is part of the agenda. I also think there was enough ambiguity in it. I call it the art of ambiguity, where both sides could latch on to what seems to be uh, uh, an agenda that supports their opinion already. And let's talk about both sides of that. It's the classic, what I, whatever, you know, it's known as the dialectic. That's not in everybody's like daily lexicon, but it's you take two sides, you pit them against each other. And the answer, the end product is what the policy goal was from the people who orchestrated it from the top in the first place. So you kind of get caught in this trap and you think, let's see if we think it's real or not real. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. No, never give up, never surrender. On News 95.5 and AM 750, WSB. I am waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on WSB. And you know what? Binkley tells me that our regulars are tuning in on schedule. Read that tweet for the for the listeners, Binkley. All right. Alan says that he just got off the mower and was pleased to hear that you're on WSB. And he's getting ready to cook on the grill and have you on on the outside speakers at the shed out back. I'm assuming that he has... 
five acres on a mountaintop because <laughs> if I was his neighbor and I wasn't, it's it maybe is an acquired taste, the Monica Perez show, blasting out your back to, backyard on a Saturday. He put a beautiful picture of the fire he's, he's lighting up right now. Oh, that's now. awesome. And I always like his dog likes the show, too, from what <laughs> I recall. So thank you very much. I do love the, the regulars. So, uh, so, yeah, we were talking before the break. Harry called, and he said he thought – that the Mueller report was totally biased uh, by both Mueller and the people who prepared it for him. So I want to explore that for a second. Binkley and I are are tuned into like the fake stuff. And actually my mother says, uh, she always says like, Oh, you think everything is fake. Then of course, when Trump starts saying fake news, like, Oh, everything's fake. (laughs) Like, okay, ma, when I say it, your daughter, who you trust, who you've known for personally, I have to get Trump to back me up on this, but I'll tell you, I would say from 75% to 90% of the time, when we flag something, it comes out to be on the money. Do you Usually. agree with that? I think so. Pretty, I mean, I yeah. think we have a very good track record here. And both of us, both of us noticed after a while that Mueller never says anything. He does not seem to be engaged in writing this report at all. We were definitely alerted to the fact that that dog was not barking. I thought at one point that maybe he's dead already. I was. Me too. I was like, like I was such a Star Trek fan. There was one where the guy, like the... Fuhrer character or whatever was like literally yeah. not alive anymore. Yeah, a puppet. <laughs> it's like a real puppet. So I figured he was just a, such a tried and true deep state operative that they could use him as a front man for whatever it is they wanted to do. But I didn't anticipate that it was going to be part of the story. Yeah. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. So we saw that coming and it did. But Okay, so so I think that the way this is unfolding was in the cards. I think the congressmen are playing along, and uh, I think we can demonstrate that. Rachel, can we can we hear? Uh, is it clip seven? Clip seven. Yeah. Although your report states collusion is not so specific offense, and you've said that this morning, or a term of art in federal criminal law, conspiracy is, in the colloquial context, are collusion and conspiracy essentially synonymous terms? You're going to have to repeat that for me. Collusion is not a specific offense or a term of art in the federal criminal law. Conspiracy is, in the colloquial context... Known public context, collusion, collusion and conspiracy are essentially synonymous terms, correct? No. That was a Georgia congressman, Collins, right? Am I wrong? Am I right about that, Binkley? Yeah. Yeah. I think I saw him. Uh, so, so to me, that was not the only example. We can use other examples where, like, he asked the question. He could he did not pronounce colloquial correctly. There was a lot of alliteration colloquial collusion context conspiracy and he doesn't say it right so if if he had made a very clear question 
it would have been a little harder for Mueller to flop around on the deck of the ship. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you think? Doesn't it feel like, and I'm not saying Collins was in on it, but it helped whoever was writing that stuff, because clearly he was reading it, Collins, because he was stumbling over the words. He was reading it. it Even it, yeah. Ratcliffe was reading his rant. He was ranting and angry, and you could see him, like, looking down at his notes yeah. as he continued down his rant. So there, somebody's writing the stuff for them, too. Yeah, the question, the easy question is there is no federal collusion law, correct? Collusion isn't a crime, is it? Yeah. No. And and there's a second part to that answer, too, where it gets even more confusing. Of that back and forth, like part of that clip? So what? And oh, oh, really? It's even more confusing and Mueller flops around? Mueller kind of switches his answer in the second half of it, and then you leave going, I don't really know how he answered that question. Yeah, I feel like there was a lot of that. And if the congressman hadn't teed it up just so, it wouldn't have been as easy. Oh, we've got – we have to play the other one. I want to take – Tariq is on the line. I love Tariq, so I'm going to take that call. But, I mean, I take every call in order. But I, I'm going to get to that call. While Why don't we cue up the clip where the guy asked him – about U.S. attorney being U.S. attorney in Boston. Okay. Okay. All right. So let's go to uh, Tariq. Tariq, how you doing? I'm doing great. Once again, I appreciate uh, what you all do for us. First of all, not for one second do I think Mueller wasn't faking that. And then I wonder why did he do that? I believe that's part of his uh, strategy to discourage him being required to, um, you know, to be a witness further. Oh, uh, yes. It, and I think it might be, of course, it's just me thinking, but, I mean, to me, anybody that even takes the time to think could have thought, that man didn't get that uh, much dementia in a year or two. I, I, who believes that? Yeah, but and it's, even it's so, discouraging. the it's early stages of dementia are actually not as coherent as that. People really yeah. freak out. Well, I know, but I, I don't believe it for a minute. No, I don't. It doesn't seem right to me. The discouraging thing, this is yet another example of how the collective has, their tentacles are everywhere. Even some of those representatives, and, you know, they're giving in the past. I don't think they believe for one second that man was, you know, an old daughter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. And so this is just another example, and it goes on and on, and it just reminds me of something that uh, Socrates said long ago about democracy and the fact that he had a problem and and, and really didn't like it because when you have a lot of people that that vote without wisdom, then that's when you have problems. And you you can look at the last couple of hundred years here, and, you know, no matter what subject you pick out, to me, for the most part, it goes back to collective, even even libertarians. Uh, yeah, I'm going to let you I'm keep sorry. talking. I'm not. No, I'm not going to cut you off on that because I like to be challenged where I live. But then I want to go back to well, the well, democracy no, no. question. What, no, what I'm saying yeah. is a, a lot of the forms of what libertarians believe are really more in line with what the founding fathers had in mind when they designed our whole system. Yes, you know? I agree with and, that. And even the stuff overseas and trying to – we didn't really get bad until when, when Teddy Roosevelt, you know, World, World War I. came in. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, World War One. So, but anyway, I want to ask you a question, I, a more sure. philosophical question, and then I'm going to get back to the topic at hand. But this idea of democracy and Socrates and universal suffrage, and now we're talking about like with Parkland, they want to lower the age of voting lower and lower and lower 
So when you talk about a, a wisdom being essential to a functioning democracy, are you do you personally have a view? I mean, you take in a lot of stuff. Do you personally have a view? Is democracy the right way to go? Is it do you have to modify it? What's your what is your opinion? Look, for the same reason he had a problem with it potentially, I feel like the masses overall, for for many different reasons, don't acquire enough knowledge about what's going on. So that I am so happy that even though fortunately we are a, uh, a constitutional republic, but we really haven't been functioning as a constitutional republic for what a century. And just think if we didn't have uh, electoral college, which the collective would love to get rid of that. And besides, a lot of those votes they got, I wonder how many of them were illegal. I mean, cast by people that weren't citizens. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know if they won by three million. I really doubt but it. But that's why if you keep it at the state level and you keep the electoral college that you can cordon off that problem. If California wants to give its vote to people who are not citizens, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they do. They have their their electoral college. They can do it however they want. I, I actually except, think it's a way to keep but you said we haven't been a constitutional republic in a hundred years. Well, well I mean technically that's our form of government, but you can look at a lot of the signs, you know, the way this is our uh, legislation, you know, Congress and the Senate, how they have relegated a lot of their responsibility to other entities, for instance, the deep state, you know. Oh, of course, EPA, administrative blah, blah, blah. law is totally unconstitutional because it's the executive branch making laws. So, right, right. yeah, and, I got you. And, and that's why they nut up. I'm sorry. That's why they get so upset when they don't have control of the Supreme Court, because a lot of these things, we even at this point, we don't have they don't have enough support by the electorate countrywide. So they have to depend on the on the the um, judicial system. And they really it really accelerated around what the early 60s with the voting right X, blah, blah, blah. And so that's that's you know it's all connected, and the more I learn, it's really kind of right, so, almost discouraging. So now, anyway. Tariq, my brain is full of the like the stuff that's hard to get my mind around. So I, I will oh. I will leave you with one thought. I don't want you to respond. I don't want you to think about it. I or you can respond. I think that I object to the Supreme Court being responsible for deciding whether Congress's laws are constitutional or not. I think the states, the states should nullify laws like that by not enforcing them, which is why after the Civil War, they had to create the Department of Justice to go in and enforce federal laws on the states because the states were just de facto nullifying them. But but the fact that we acknowledge the Supreme Court has this right to judge on legislation, I don't think that's in the Constitution, even though it was something that Thomas Jefferson, for personal reasons, kind of championed and got done. But uh, I agree 100 percent. It was the Supreme Court. They used to be in, in this little area. They didn't even have their own building for a long time. They, it was never nine people on a Supreme Court shouldn't be, in my opinion, and I feel this way very strongly that they shouldn't decide whether or not you have the legal right to to murder babies. You know, those are states' people. rights issues. It's absolutely in the Tenth Amendment, all of that stuff. They're called the police powers. They have to do with health, welfare, everything. Uh, I got to take a break. Tariq, you uh, 
As always, I, I want to hear more about um, your many opinions. But I got to take a quick break. And then I want to play more of these clips that I think belie that Mueller is and the congressman are playing games with us. Uh, open some more calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. It's all real. Oh, my God. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. So I want to get back to the what I think is back and forth designed to allow Mueller to play into the old man thing. And Tariq brought up that he thinks that Mueller is doing that to get out of future testimony. And that reminded me of something Binkley said to me that I just thought was so funny. What was your angle? A lot of older stand-up comedians will joke about the benefits of being older, and often those benefits include acting like you didn't hear a question or <laughs> acting like you're just unaware or oblivious or senile so that you don't have to do things you don't want to do. Yeah, they turn off their hearing aids yeah. and then nagging and, over. Yeah, and everybody <laughs> believes it's just because they're old. <laughs> clever. Very clever. So I wanted to emphasize though that or demonstrate one example of what I thought this – Question, why would you ask this question other than as a a, te- a memory test? So let's hear this is Congressman Stanton from Arizona. Is he does anyone know if he's running for for president? Anyway, this guy I've seen around, I think I think I thought he was the one with Tulsi Gabbard having that exchange about the the uh, wars. But let I'll figure that out on the next break. Sorry. Let's hear clip 18. I'm disappointed that some have questioned your motives throughout this process, and I want to take a moment to remind the American people of who you are and your exemplary service to our country. You are a Marine. You served in Vietnam and earned a Bronze Star and a Purple Heart, correct? Correct. Which president appointed you to become the United States Attorney for Massachusetts? Which senator? Which president? Oh, which president? (sighs) I think that was President Bush. According to my notes, it was President Ronald Reagan had the honor to do so. Under whose administration? My mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so stupid. Maybe they're all the same to him because he they all push the same agenda. Well, maybe Bush was always the one who gave him orders, whether he's Perhaps. in or out. <laughs> you know, there's definitely a chance that yeah. it's quite possible That's true. that Bush was running that kind of the show under Reagan. But no, that guy is not the guy I was thinking of who's running for president, but uh, he is a Democrat from Arizona. But why would he get up there and say, oh, tell, here's your medal, you would Vietnam, and uh, pop quiz – this this one job you had 35 years ago. Why why is he asking him that? Why would he not ask him who pointed him as the FBI or what what he took office right after 9/11? He's credited for internationalizing the FBI. And Putin has criticized us for trying to enforce laws in other countries. That is Mueller's. Yeah, and unless that so why did you was, get a Purple Heart? Like, right. That's a good question. Unless that guy was trying to relate him to Reagan so that he could appeal to Republicans. That's the only thing I can think of. But it's Democrat. I don't know. Right. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but there is just so much more. I really, I want to get to uh, how we know there was no Russian collusion or there's no real evidence for it. So I can, people keep quoting that as if that is uh, facts that have been stipulated by all parties. But I think Binkley and I are going to call BS on that after the break. 800 WSB Talk. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill, 
The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to be. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And we have been talking about the Mueller testimony this week, which the big takeaway, the two big takeaways, Mueller's senile and Russia interfered. Those are the two big takeaways. And of course, my producer Binkley and I are in total agreement. Both of those things are what they want you to believe, but they are not in evidence, no matter how many times people repeat it. I think Mueller is not senile. I think it was an act. There's a lot of reasons why it might have been. I just don't think that... I think stuff like that is too crafted anyway. These are very, very high-stakes games. If you were making a movie, you would never allow it to be left to chance or sloppy. I used to say this about Obama. So Warren Buffett gives him, you know, these guys, whoever it is, give give one way or another millions of dollars to a campaign. And then they sit there watching CNN, hoping Obama does the right thing. <laughs> you know, I don't think that's how it works. So I don't think they were, they were like, let's just prop them up and hope for the best. Like, I just cannot see that. This is a, a highly orchestrated thing. I think... There are a lot of reasons for this. I think federalizing the election, demonizing Russia uh, are both parts of it. I think maybe the number one thing here is as a massive distraction from tons and tons of real policy issues, things that we're doing that neither Democrats nor Republicans are standing in the way of that are not in our interest. I mean, from the debt to provoking wars we're not talking about any of the stuff that really is going to have an impact. And I and I even think like with Trump, who was you could say if it weren't for Jeff Zucker, who had been his boss on The Apprentice and the round the clock coverage he gave Trump on CNN to validate his legitimacy, which they did not do for like Ron Paul, for example, that Trump is somebody they all wanted in. Because, and I would say it would be reason enough to say this is a guy who can run a 24-7 circus for four years where we are so completely distracted from anything real that we can get tons of tons, tons and tons of stuff done under the radar, behind the scenes, and nobody will even think to think about it. Nobody will even think that we're not talking about anything because we'll have so much of this reality show fodder. I mean, he was a reality show star. I mean, think about that trained by Jeff Zucker in that role. So I think this stuff is the theater that it appears to be, but there, but the stuff about Russia isn't, isn't just happenstance. There's value there to, to those who want to manipulate our opinions and, the value is, you know, not, I don't think it's value, but the value is that it demonizes Russia. It makes Trump look illegitimate, which seems to be a major factor in any presidency. Obama supposedly was born not in the United States. Bush had the hanging chat in Florida. If Ted Cruz had won, he was a Canadian citizen when he was born. If Hillary had won, it would have been all about the illegal voters. 
So the legitimacy issue is a major divisive technique that's used, I think, in the presidential stuff all the way. But but the stuff about uh, Russian interference is it's not even in evidence. And I actually looked because you can read Binkley. So, Binkley, you did you see any and you're looking at the Mueller report or in any of your research ever, have you seen hard and fast evidence that it's Russia? No. Me neither. And I've seen, I've seen, there's actually a really good article I just tweeted from Real Clear Investigations that outlines, and then it was kind of summarized in a, at a website called The Federalist. It summarizes like the major failures in the Mueller report about Russian interference from ambiguous language to like soft peddling the stuff to the timeline being wrong and them not talking to key people like Julian Assange, who was responsible for some of the leaked stuff that supposedly affected the election and uh, James Comey or whoever was conducting the investigation into the DNC servers never saw the servers and they were permitted to uh, get the analysis of it redacted from a private firm. I mean, there and John Brennan had so much to do with these accusations. I just don't think it's there. And I do. But the one thing that I think was not orchestrated, that was an accident, which happens every once in a while, a little bit of truth gets out there. And if it's an unpatriotic fact, you know, I turn my coin to just stuff that we do not we don't listen to unpatriotic facts on this, you know, fill in the blank mainstream media outlet. Even if it's true, they don't care. So everybody's doing the facts are facts, but truth is truth thing. And I remember there was the there was beheading of 21 Coptic Christians on a bay in Libya. And and Egypt, I think, sent some fighters there and killed some people on that beach. Only later was it on Fox News, on foxnews.com, that it was not a real, it was like on a green screen, it was looped, so there weren't even 21 people on the beach. It was really crazy. And I remember the Pope like had us praying for these people, and I was like, wait a second. And you'll still hear Fox refer to that incident as if they didn't, you know, nobody even cares about the truth. Another thing that I noticed was, we should get into this later, but the Moscow Tower thing is a big part of what they say was the motivation behind Trump doing trying to collude with Russia, that the, his Moscow Tower project was worth, Forbes quoted Mueller as saying it was worth hundreds of millions of dollars. But Forbes later put out an article that said it was worth 35 to 50 million at the most. And it was just, it was never really, it was just a proposal that was out there. But that 35 to 50 million dollar number, I had calculated myself in 2017 when CNN posted the deal and all the details of the deal on its website. So there are the facts are out there. And yet you have what are supposedly the authentic mainstream media outlets that we're supposed to trust without question, putting out stuff that is the sloppiest. I would say it can't even be sloppy. It has to be intentionally misleading. And the big the smoking gun here for me is that new knowledge, a a company. I mean, we really have to spend some time on this. We've touched on it before, but there I found even more stuff. And the more you look at it, the clearer it is that it's that. There's a big psyop underway here, but the only Russian bots that have ever been proven to uh, to have done something that likely affected an election 
was new knowledge, a U.S. firm highly connected with the U.S. government that uh, attacked Roy Moore's campaign from a variety of angles. And they're and they're excused by saying they were copying Russian techniques. But in fact, I would say they're the only ones who've ever been proven to use these techniques. Mm -hmm. Isn't shy. And people we've talked about this before and people just don't even know about it. It's crazy, too, because a lot of times when you see a new story about Russian bots, for example, back Tulsi Gabbard or amplifying is being amplified by Russian bots. You read the article and the expert that's being quoted as evidence is the CEO from New Knowledge who was behind this uh, Alabama or Birmingham project. And not only is he behind that stuff and was also the guy who wrote the new or was cited in the New York Times article about how fear of 5G is a Russian plot. That's what this yeah. guy said. But he also wrote he was one of only two firms, if I'm correct, wrote the Senate Intelligence Committee's uh, report on Russian bots and did not mention his own uh, standing as a Russian bot. Or the fact that his Facebook page was suspended for spreading fake news. And the thing is, they say that he's he's trying to fold these things together as if they were natural together, where I had to do the research of how Russian bots would really work. So I tried to do it in a way that it wasn't going to affect anything. And the Roy Moore race was the closest, most viciously run race. Mm -hmm. And the deciding factors were the things that this guy did personally or through this company between making it look like Russian bots were trying to help Roy Moore uh, by, and by spreading all that stuff about him with young women. I did a dated time search for the CEO's tweets back during the Roy Moore campaign, and I, I cross-referenced it to the headlines that were all over the media. His tweets were getting repeated as headlines. It had a major impact on what was being reported in the national news. Uh, yes, and that – and in from – I have articles here from the New York Times – the Washington Post and the Wall Street Journal, every one of them, which you, the Wall Street Journal, this is in this is in 2019. The Wall Street Journal says that Reed Hoffman, the LinkedIn founder who basically bankrolled this through a layer upon layer uh, obfuscation of where this money was coming from to the tune of he contributed to the, the guilty parties seven hundred fifty thousand dollars that was out before this Wall Street Journal article was written saying that repeating a, a lie or a mistake that it was that he only contributed a hundred thousand and it says there's no evidence that uh Mr. Jones, who beat Republican Roy Moore by 1.6 points, knew about this deceit operation. It's small scale means it probably didn't affect the final outcome. Still, the details are vexing. Project Birmingham, as it reportedly was called, ran on 100,000 of Mr. Hoffman's money. But that the money trail is not crystal clear. And I got I, I have nothing to think that it was less than 750,000. And uh, that was in. That was in the Wall Street Journal. So if you think that the that the two sides are really trying one, that they're fighting a battle, a partisan battle at the highest levels. No, they are doing the same thing. The Wall Street Journal is allowing is is downplaying the impact of these guys being the most that using what they call Russian tactics to affect U.S. The, this is the greatest interference in an election evidence that I've come across during these entire three years where they're talking about it. And yet they're the experts on the subject that we rely on 
to demonize Russia for oh, everything. we got to take a break. But after the break, I would love for you to read some excerpts from their website of what they describe themselves as being. And then I'll tell you a little bit more about who these people are. So give me a call, 404-872-0750, 800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Bring big drama show. Let's go. Let's do it. On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. Uh, I'm going to go straight to the calls. I'm going to go to Reggie Indicator. Reggie, you're on with Monica. Happy Happy Saturday. Happy weekend to you, Monica. Happy Saturday afternoon. Thanks, to you, Reggie. Long you time too. no see you here from. Yeah. Um, I would just like to know why is it that so many people in the lamestream, mainstream news media, such as radio or TV, are so obsessed with Donald Trump and politics that they can't be obsessed or just as equally as obsessed, overly obsessed with reality, like or such as, you know, racism, sexism, sexism, homophobia, xenophobia, Islamophobia, all that kind of stuff. You know, real things that happen to real people in, re- in reality and everyday life that we have to struggle and go through just simply to survive. But yet, take a, yet, but yet instead of focusing on that, they, too, they find a way to busy focusing all up on him. Well, him and Nancy Pelosi and AOC and Ilhan Omar and, all, and the rest of them. You know, Tosi Gabbard, Kamala, Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, you know, Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, all of them. They're so busy focused on them and not on everything else. Why exactly is that, Mark? <laughs> I'll tell you what I think. I uh, I definitely think that they focus on that stuff. And even the issues, the real issues that you highlighted are... They talk about them, but I feel like they talk about they could come up with real uh, examples of that stuff, real solutions. And yet they give us spoon feed us what seems to be play acting like the Starbucks episode I found to be not real and or it seemed not real to me. Something not right about it. We did some shows about it. I'll just throw stuff out there that get me people triggered. But they take even the real issues and they reframe them. Uh, I remember Ferguson happened uh, and George the Zimmerman thing, all this stuff when we had there was like uh, people were up in arms about the militarization of the police. And we were all together saying, we don't want that. Don't give us your surplus war stuff so that we have SWAT teams that do no knock raids in the middle of the night just to find a pot plant. We don't want it. And and people were rising up. I remember reading from the Rise of the Warrior Cop, maybe it was 2012. And then all of a sudden they reframed it as the racial issue. There are racial issues, but there's also these issues where we can bind together. That could actually be a solution. Keep the government at bay and understand our common interests in liberty and justice for all. I agree with you. It's uh, it's called the ideology of tyranny. And I believe it started with uh, Michel Foucault, but I could be wrong. I read it in a great book by Preparata, I think called the ideology of tyranny. So uh, I want to... These deceptions are part of that tyranny, and we're going to get to uh, the new knowledge deception after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. They think they control the galaxy. I disagree. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB, waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on WSB. Going to the phones, I always get... uh, I always welcome disagreement, so I'm going to take uh, Ron in Roswell. 
You are on with Monica. Can you hear me, Ron? Yes, I can. Thank you, Monica. Uh, my comment is about your, that I disagree with, is about your previous comment before your last caller about why Donald Trump, during the beginning of the 16 election, received all of the attention uh, from the media, the liberal media, airtime, everything. Yeah, I'm speculating, but uh, yeah, what's your opinion? My opinion is I think it's very clear, and I saw it from the moment he came down the escalator, like the majority of our citizens in this country, we saw a politician who was not like and did not speak like a normal politician. He had a clarity, but it was from a guy who's on the other side of the tracks and comes out swinging. And I think the reason he received all of this attention and airtime, and he was the topic of everybody, C-SPAN, ESPN, I mean everybody, that they never once believed he would win. And basically he just started picking off the presidential candidates one at a time with his tough New York accent and his street worthiness and his fighting spirit. And they continued to think that this is just going to be a walkover for the Democrats. And that's why he, he walked into the presidential office Uh, right now. And I'm going to end it this way. The reason I think we need him for four more years and his family is he has changed and turned this country around. I've been in the construction business all my life. And now there's an energy in the air. You go out. It's been for a year. You go to supply houses. You go wherever you want to go. There are contractors. There's people are buying. They're investing in their homes. And he's created this. Let's make America great attitude, bringing it back where it's okay to be successful. And I think from the very beginning, they did not see it coming, the Democratic Party, and most of the people did not, until they decided, you know, maybe we had to take a chance with this guy. And so far, I've never seen a president work as hard as he has in three years, just nonstop from the beginning, and he's doing what he says, and he's not giving us the normal political crap. Basically. What what policies of his do you like? Well, I basically, first of all, he mentioned about the, the tax relief. He was going to work on that. And he made it happen. And I think that, and everyone uses the stamp that, oh, that has created just for the big companies. Well, that may be true, but they're the ones who hire. He brought back jobs. You look at all the jobs, everybody, all all areas. How? Because he promoted enthusiasm or cut the taxes or what? Cut cut the taxes and enthusiasm. And the enthusiasm enthusiasm brings uh, a belief. In your in, in, in some people, and especially some, I've been a hard driver all my life. I know how to make a buck. I'm 65 now. I've already done my thing. But I still, I see it. I feel it out there. And it, it, that 
the, the Democratic Party and the media, the more liberal anti-Trump media out there, never saw it coming. All they thought is he's going to be our roller coaster ride for Hillary Clinton in the White House. But they, do you I, think that this approach of his that has reinvigorated the country, if I uh, and I, I don't I'm not yeah, contradicting you. Do you think that that's lasting? Do you think it's ideologically sound is it is it lasting or is it just this this feeling that will go when he goes it's lasting and he shouldn't go he needs four more years to implement more look from the judges look look what he tried to do with health care and i mean and in the reason health care didn't go through or at least that and also some well especially health care was because before god bless rest may he rest in peace Senator McCain, those two had it in for each other. They did not like each other. And Senator McCain basically put the final uh, kibosh on that. And or else we would have had some health care policy put into place. Okay. And so, after that, yeah, the, 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 I, the way I see it, I try to stay pretty darn informed. The Democrat Party has done everything that they can just to to. to to knock his credibility out, right. not give him any type of a win. Okay. And I, anyhow, I just thank you for, I enjoy your show and thank <laughs> you. Uh, I, I want to hear your comments. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, I respond. I'm going to, I uh, got what you said. I'm going to, I wrote a few things down. I think our basic position is different in two ways. First of all, I ha- I come from a very strong ideological position of smaller government is better. I want I want the Tenth Amendment to be restored. I want the federal government to get out of stuff. And I think if you peel the onion with Trump, you can see that he's not of that mindset. And I never met a Trump supporter who even claims that he is. And I look at something like 5G. It's his FCC that's forcing it on small communities, probably because Trump thinks it's good. But that's not the kind of government that I want. That is not change, in my opinion. That's just somebody else's opinion. So when you tell me that taxes, lower taxes, is good for the economy, for me, it's spending that matters. I think there should be a balanced budget. I don't want lower taxes if there aren't, there isn't lower spending. And I don't think that kind of thing Last, I don't think it's sound, but I and then I'll I'll go to the other thing. I think you're right about a lot of things that he did speak differently. He gave you an impression of not being an insider. I think he is an insider. I think there's lots of evidence that he's an insider from uh, his father to his uncle to his sister to his own experience. A lot of the wealth and prestige and status of his family and access came from the government. Sisters, a federal judge, may or may not have been instrumental in his ability to circumvent some of the casino uh, qualification laws. There was Tesla's papers getting absorbed by his uncle, who was in military intelligence and an MIT professor. His father made all his money or a lot of his money from government programs. He himself was bailed out by George Soros, by the Rothschilds. I believe it is a firm that was Dianne Feinstein's husband who uh, awarded him the biggest boon boon of his life, which was the Washington, D.C. post office. So I think that he comes off as this. I'm not sure he actually is that. Uh, And I, I will say during the campaign for the candidacy 
before the RNC, I I did think that the Democrats were pumping him up as being the one who would lose against Hillary. But after he won, he still got that kind of coverage when they are sophisticated enough to know that coverage results in popularity. And I read a great article on Akamai Tree. I think it was on blogspot.com. But Akamai Tree wrote and did a study of the fact that the press coverage led his popularity, not the other way around. They were covering him because he was popular. They and and Ron Paul was quite popular and got almost no coverage whatsoever. Now, Ron Paul was a guy who really would have come in and made some changes. He would have or at least it looked like and his track record would tell you he would have come in with a smaller government, less war. But that's not what we see with Trump. So for me, I feel like he's feeding the same machine. It's not fundamentally different. It feels different. It feels good. And I know the very first thing you said reminded me of something that my producer Binkley here said from the very beginning. He said, "What do you remember what you said people liked about Trump? You said it every time in the beginning. Way that he back. talks like them, talks yes. like a regular person. Yes, he just talks like them, and, yeah. then, and they like that, and he's great at it. Mm-hmm. But he isn't like us. And it's similar to Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez and her target demographic. They say the same type of stuff. Oh, yeah, you noticed that too. And mm-hmm. after a while, I started seeing articles in the Wall Street Journal, for example. It was unbelievable to me because it, it was just like, oh, AOC is your Trump. And you had said it months before that. Mm-hmm. You said she's playing the same role. And you think Biden yep. is playing that role. I think Biden is a stand in for <laughs> Trump for them to practice. <laughs> yes, yes, right. And also, what, uh, what he just said was that, um, the making America great, like the new slogan is not America great. Didn't you play that clip? Who invented that? Reagan's 1980 campaign oh. slogan was "Let's make America great again." Was it? Yeah. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. But that's not what I'm thinking of. Who said "Let's make America great" without the again? Oh, you played that for me on the air. Oh, who was it last year? I, I remember. I can't remember who was it. It was Kanye. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Kanye su- yes. suggested that. That's right. Yeah, and I and I wonder, if, I wonder if somebody talked him through that because the fact that it caught on, I like it. I think it's great. Yeah, you can't and do I, again. That my mother, I'm sure, like this is her favorite segment of the whole show because <laughs> I gave five minutes to like why why Trump is great. I, I don't even. I'm not even a hater. I just I just don't. I'm not. I'm not falling for it. That's all. But I'm not. I hope I'm wrong. I sincerely hope I'm wrong. I'm going to take another call. I got to I got to lose the New York thing. <laughs> Too much. Uh, Chris in Snellville. Chris, uh, I'm going to you. You are on with Monica. Hey, Monica. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I am fantastic. I've been listening to you a while. I enjoyed my Saturday afternoons with you, so it's been great. Um, just wanted to make a couple of points. Uh, I, I, number one, everything that you said about Trump, I totally agree with, and that's been my own research. However, there is, I mean, like, I'm not a big fan of the 5G push. I'm not a big fan of what he's doing with Monsanto and uh, genetically engineered food. But I think that, that one of the things that I do admire for him and what he's had to endure with the mainstream media, and it's been uh, unrelenting, is his uh, cojones, I guess, to be able to endure it and continue on. And I and I appreciate a lot of the things that don't get coverage. And I'm, I'm not happy at all with the censorship that we're seeing, like, 
in uh, platforms on social media like YouTube. Um, I think, you know, with Google, uh, Twitter, that sort of thing. And I, I, I'm concerned, I guess, because I know from my perspective and looking at what's happening with this Epstein trial, that there's going to be a lot of big names. And I know that there's 2,000 pages of documents. I mean, it really doesn't get as much press as I thought it would be. I mean, it's getting more, but when you look at how long this guy's been on the loose, uh, it's a bit worrisome. And I, I guess from my perspective and looking at the uh, implications that you have with Nexium and how that's all tied together, that one of the platforms I think that Trump really came in on that really doesn't get the press is that he was out to stop sex trafficking of children. And I think that this is a huge thing that I think you're going to see much more of it uh, coming down the road. I would love that. Of course, we've been covering Epstein uh, week after week. There is always more to talk about. I I would love to have hope that he that Trump is working behind the scenes like Batman. That would be great. Uh, I do. When you're talking about social media censorship and him being attacked and all that before, when I still thought Hillary was going to win, I wrote an article said teeing it up for the censorship president. And I knew censorship. Obama was the surveillance president. And I knew the next guy was going to be the censorship president. And whether that happens overtly by saying, oh, we need censorship or as a reaction because of uh, game playing uh, theatrics in the public arena. The at the end of the day, Trump will have presided over the censorship that will will basically gut the First Amendment. And you can say he's a victim of it. But the fact is that was on the agenda. And whether he means to or not, this presidency is getting that to happen. So maybe he's a he's an agent of reaction. I don't know. And I'm not saying he's he's complicit. I'm just saying I'm not happy with what's going on. I don't. I. I mean, I like good uh, economics. I like jobs. I like joy. But I'm not confident this is. It's long term good here. But I got lots more calls. I'll take them, and we're going to get back to the new knowledge stuff as soon as that's done. Eight hundred WSB Talk. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Don't hate the player. Hate the game, son. On News ninety five five and AM seven fifty WSB. Dying to hear what Maurice has to say. Maurice, you got a minute and a half. Go. Uh, well, just following the thing I said to your your screener, um, you know, they're repeatedly saying that the Russians hacked, you know, the DNC server, and that's blatantly false, and they know it. And, you know, you, you probably know about Bill Benny and testing the – uh, transfer speeds and things like that. Yep, Have I'm going to talk that? about that after the break. Keep going. And, um, you know, and also, you know, the FBI never uh, reviewed the the hard drives of the DNC machines. It was left to the word of CrowdStrike, and they never did the formal, you know, uh, I think Judicial Watch is proved that they never even filed papers that said, you know, even if there were fake papers. They... Yeah, sorry. I'm I am going to address all the reasons why the Russian hacking evidence. Yeah, you're right. They they know it's not true. Uh, sorry to cut you off. I didn't want you to wait anymore. But anyway, I've got um, Mike and David and Howell up next. And Howell says, I'm missing the point of Trump. I want to hear it. And I'm sure you do, too. 
Uh, you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. This is Monica Perez waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. We're talking about the Mueller testimony. Of course, if you listen to the show, you know we are going deep. Let's just say I, I people want, want to hear left. They want to hear right. I'm just just coming at you from deep. <laughs> so... I don't believe that Mueller got outed as some doddering, senile frontman. I think that's the role he's playing. There are plenty of theories of why that would be a good idea or a bad idea. I think that the congressmen, a few of them, a handful of them, are playing right into that, teeing stuff up for him to make him look easily confused. So they're not just hitting him straightforward. They're throwing them like the minor curveball that most of us can understand. But if you were a little addled, you might need the question repeated. So I feel like there that we were watching a play a little bit. But I'm open to contradiction. And uh, I think people on the left and people on the right all came away with strong opinions of what they thought they were seeing. I think that, too, was a major goal of... The play that we're seeing, it goes back to my what I noticed about Trump from the very beginning. He's not only a master of the deal, the art of the deal, but the art of ambiguity. And Obama was, too. Hope and change was his only campaign. There was no meat on those bones so that you could project onto him anything you wanted. With Trump, it's the opposite. He'll say everything and you can pull out of it anything that you want, left or right. And that's how they keep us engaged in what looks like hardcore partisan uh, fighting. Like there are two groups up there. They really hate each other. And they're whichever side you're on, don't you worry, because somebody's up there fighting the good fight on your behalf. I do not buy that. But a lot of people do buy it. And I love it when Binkley Binkley has a higher tolerance of uh, for the stuff that comes at us from the left than I do. So let's hear you have a little, I don't know what it is, a tweet or what you got there. It, it's a Facebook post. I was kind of monitoring Facebook uh, during the Mueller thing because I wanted to see how people were reacting, if they were reacting in the the same way that it was kind of being reported. And one of the things that somebody reported or somebody that I know posted, they wrote, this whole both sides do it or the notion that Fox is a counterbalance to CNN is the problem. There's a difference between liberal and conservative bias and mindless propaganda. OK, so this guy is saying that multiple people. Liberal si- well, actually, we had that troll call mm-hmm. and tell us you can't seriously say that Fox and CNN are the equivalent left and right. I mean, CNN is coming at you from the left. Mm. Therefore, they have integrity because they are correct. They are propagandizing you with truth as opposed to Fox propagandizing you with lies. And that's the heart of the problem. That is, that's the heart of the problem. Absolutely. That is the heart of the problem. People don't, 
that kind of statement, it, it, it doesn't acknowledge that you're a lot more susceptible to being manipulated by somebody that you identify closely with and are likely to more automatically believe than you are the other side. And that's why where the art of ambiguity comes in, and because I noticed this. This is when I got completely cured of the the left-right psyop. I realized that your side is right half the time and wrong half the time. And the other side, so, but you just forgive all the stuff that's wrong. And you look at the other side and they're right half the time and wrong half the time. And you focus on what's wrong. Uh Because like, if you look at Ron Paul, both sides hate him, but it's possible (laughs) that both sides could love him because he's anti-big government and anti-war. And you'll notice if you, if you look around for authors or heroes or um, statesmen or commentators who who talk about like what I think is the right answer, which is really what our founders thought was the right answer, or they were they told us that's what they thought. Where we have a small, limited government, it's it has subsidiarity, so it goes down to the state level, the county level, so you have some control and some limitations all the way up and down. You're not an empire; you don't go out there uh, with these wars and everything. But if you try to go down the anti-war line. You always, always, always end up with a Marxist. Yeah. You get this this anti-imperialist, we need communism right now. I'm mm-hmm. like, we don't need communism just because we don't want empire. Yeah. So, <laughs> so when I look at the other side, I'm like, or the old left used to be against war. Great. So, and the old right used to be against big government. If anybody hasn't noticed already... Both sides have actually given up or certainly are completely ineffective when it comes to either of those good things, which are the two things that are good about your side. And instead, we've met in what I coined to be, and later there was a book that used a similar phrase, but I call it the liberal fascist center. When I found out that Dianne Feinstein, when she was mayor of San Francisco, led the charge against the the dirty movie theater— like now that I'm a mother of teenagers, I'm like, you know, I'm a libertarian, but I really don't like the all the porn and stuff. But I thought, what kind of a, a liberal is that? I thought the liberals were like, don't touch my pot and pay for my health care. I'm like, OK, well, you can't have both. That's why there's no such thing as a left-leaning libertarian in reality, because if you're letting people smoke their pot, you'll do what Bloomberg said, which is I'm taking away your sugary drinks because now we have Obamacare and I have to pay for your health care. With leaving out, of course, that NutraSweet, which is what he was driving people to, is so much worse for you than God-given sugar. But uh, I digress. And you might end up paying for their marijuana if it factors into health care. Oh, come full circle. Maybe it was a plot of of true left-leaning libertarians. I'm just saying you look, you look left, you look right, you see what you want to see. But what you don't realize – and this is – I think there are studies that support this – that the polarization, I, I'm almost certain I've read uh, studies about it. The pol- as, the, as polarization and venom have increased left and right, policies have converged, not diverged. So that's why when somebody calls and tells me how, how much they like Trump, I ask them, what policies do you like? Okay, here are some policies. Is that ideology? Is this something that's restoring foundational documents that you can then have a harder time Coming away from that, if you have a balanced budget amendment, not everybody's for that, but if you had a balanced budget, then you have a very difficult law to change with the wins, you know, but executive orders, not that hard. And 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 with the little things distracting us, the big policies tend to 
to get done in the dark at night. Yeah. So I want to take a call, and then I want to talk about new knowledge. So I'm going to go to Mike and Marietta. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Hey, how are you, Monica? I'm great. What you got? Well, I'm just thinking uh, what you were saying earlier, uh, and, and I know I'm sort of a student of yours a little bit, so I'm sort of learning still. But uh, take somebody like Trump. Uh, what has he done? Well, you can take into account the taxes, the economy, the stock market, the jobless rate, that kind of thing that the conservative says that they do, and he's done it. Uh, and he's also uh, won, just as of yesterday, the ability to further the wall, which I totally uh, agree with. And um, so tell me how a Hillary presidency would have us in the same place. I don't get it. So right. I'll hang up and okay. listen. All right. Thank you for the question. Uh, so I don't necessarily – the way I look at the policies, the specifics that you rattle off, I am not sure that we aren't being tricked into asking for policies that are meant to achieve the opposite. So the wall could be used to keep us in if things get really crazy. And they've gotten crazy before. There have been world wars where tens of millions of people die. There have been concentration camps in this country. So you have to think about what what could go wrong when when the powers that be feel confident in their power. So if they get the Second Amendment away from us, the entire world will suffer because the whole world say everybody but us got their guns taken away. No government can go in and just totally oppress and stick their boots on the necks because then we'll say, look at that. Don't give up your gun. And everybody will be like, you got it. But instead, they all say, look. We're good. We mean well. What's there to be afraid of? Look at Australia. So so if they get the Second Amendment away from us and they're trying hard with a lot of uh, exploiting sad stories or maybe worse, then maybe the wall is there to keep us in. So we want the wall. Maybe you get the wall. Maybe it looks good. Maybe if you believe what Trump says his motives are, maybe those are his motives. Maybe when Obama says, I need surveillance because... I want to catch the bad guys. Maybe he was telling the truth, but now we have surveillance. And if you liked Obama, you don't like that it's in Trump's hands now. So we also have censorship, tons of censorship coming down under Trump. We have 5G being crammed down under Trump. We are careening towards war. Those three things, the war, the censorship, and 5G, those are the three things I am most afraid of, the things that will change this world, not just like bad for a while, but like could be the greatest paradigm shift in human history. And I don't think he's slowing those things down, and I don't think Hillary would have. Yeah, Hillary wouldn't have either, and they, the foreign policy would have been probably in large part the same. Well, given that her name was Hillary, but people, her nickname was Hillary. She, she. So if you, if it's if Trump is actually not heading us towards war, is not furthering that ball. For me, the two things. There's maybe three things. Big, big picture stuff. So censorship is a very important part of what whoever was going to be president and it's working, whether it's reactionary or overt or whatever. If it's gray or white or black propaganda, it doesn't matter. It's happening. And uh, the war thing is happening and the 5G thing is happening. And those those are the things that I think uh, are the scariest. Yeah. Turn us into the Borg. It scares me. 
Yeah. I mean, it is. It, 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 the Internet of Things, where every single thing in your house is listening to you and reporting back to the central scrutinizer. Instantaneously reporting back. To yeah. You. I mean, he's not slowing that stuff down. So all the things that we're looking at that we feel like are baby steps in the right direction don't amount to a hill of beans if the other if the bigger picture trends that I see going on unabated continue. And it and actually puts us in condition white where we're unaware, unalert and letting things happen. And I feel like the Internet has gotten slower intentionally over the past couple of years with these companies so that we're just like, can we get 5G already? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I think that they're deliberately destroying the eyes and ears of this generation so that they're all going to get their they're they're going to all be cyborgs. I developed astigmatism, apparently, I think, because of looking <laughs> at the monitor so often. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. But I really feel like nobody talks about the ears like they say, oh, watch your eyes. Nobody talk. My kids have headphones on all the time. And and in this studio, when I plug in my headphones, the headphone level is always like at 11 because people who live in headphones lose their hearing. So I feel like at the surface, it looks like things are fine. And I'm not just a naysayer. I look for foundational, you know, restoring our foundational documents. I look at limited government. I look at the Tenth Amendment. I look at the freedom to resist 5G at the local level, which is denied us. I, I look at uh, the the censorship coming down in contravention of the First Amendment, but using these private companies, which are really fronts for the government to control our First Amendment. I don't care who's in the Oval Office. I think these trends are happening no matter what, and they're the things that we should be most concerned about. Uh, thanks so much for the call. I love it. Um, you open to more calls, 800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Everything you do is being watched by some all-seeing eye. On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. I'm going to go to some calls after the break, but and well, you're welcome to call 800-WSB-TALK, but I just want to get some of this new knowledge stuff out there. So New Knowledge is a company that wrote the report on Russian bots for the Senate. However, the only hard and fast proof I have ever seen of Russian bots were fake Russian bots created by New Knowledge who also ran a disinformation campaign against Roy Moore. And their only form of apology was that they uh, didn't affect the outcome of the tightest race. And the things that they promoted against Roy Moore, which were untrue, were the deciding factors about his like predilection for young girls and having a, a huge Russian bot farm following. It, it's really outrageous and nobody talks about it. But if you, but, and you would think new knowledge would just go away, but I think it's a very valuable, well constructed military front operations, CIA. I don't really know. I'm going to read to you the hilarious thing is when you go to the new knowledge website and look at the about thing, it says new knowledge is an information integrity company. I mean, that's just a riot. It's like Newspeak, where it's the exact opposite of what it is. So then you look at who's running this information integrity company. Jonathan Morgan, whose name is splashed all over the place. He's the CEO. He's a State Department advisor, a computational propaganda researcher for DARPA, Defense's <laughs> Research, Brookings Institution. Uh, Ryan Fox, the COO, is a counterterrorism expert and has U.S. Army and intelligence experience and uh renee deresta worked for our cyber which i had to look up 
Army Cyber Command. Advisor to Congress, the State Department. It goes on and on. Binkley's going to fill in his side of that story right after the break. 800 WSB Talk. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. And now for something completely different. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6. We're in the home stretch right here on WSB. I want to button some things up. We opened a lot of cans of worms. We got some of them slithering around. But I can't. There's so many things I'd like to really get into in depth. But all I can really do is touch on them. If you want to go back and listen to the to this show on a commercial free to make sure you get caught it all. And I'm not joking. People (laughs) have gotten more than one message that says, I've only listened to the show once so far, but I think I get, I get what you're saying. I know that's not really the best thing for radio, but it's worth it because I need to get this stuff out there. So people at least can start thinking about what they really think is going on and then call in and tell me what you think. I'm totally open to it. 800 WSB talk. But if you want to hear this, Show, go to thepropreport.com, and you can hear this show on Wednesday. And then my producer, Binkley, and I uh, have a podcast, which we put up on Thursday. And if you want to speak to us directly, if you want to communicate with us directly, we have like a forum on there called The Pool. And you can just post a topic or send us a message, and we will get back to you one-on-one in short order. So welcome to that. And I wanted to button up this thing on the new knowledge, the company that ran the campaign against Roy Moore, even though that has nothing to do with what they say they are as a company. They say they're a research firm. They say that uh, robbing Roy Moore of that election was research, and I don't believe it. And I just rattled off before the break. Like, these guys are all deep state, military intelligence, all that kind of stuff. And so, Binkley, I... I said, this guy, Jonathan Morgan, he just seems like a created person. Uh-huh. And are you? And I asked you, I was like, I can't find where he went to college anywhere. I can't find any of that stuff. They're not like just throwing him out with the bathwater like you would think they would do after he was exposed this way. Yeah. There's, they, this guy's been invested in. If he's a real person, I don't even know. So what do you think? Well, I did a little research and I found where he went to college, which is interesting. Here's a little uh, blurb about him. Morgan wrote website codes in high in a high school as a student in the United Kingdom, but it wasn't until after graduating from the Liverpool Institute of Performing Arts in 2004 that he started delving deeper into online research when he taught himself machine learning and data science technologies to better understand online activity. That really reminds me of some other created people. I feel like when I heard Stacey Abrams say that she took acting, and I think you – found that she actually went to a similar she auditioned to get into a school oh yeah so that was part of her thing and i call her a created person because she doesn't explain that she is she is a member of the cfr she has internships state department international um major universities she's been ticking the box for different regions of the world different leadership positions for decades and you never hear that you never hear that and these people I, I also thought with Mark Zuckerberg, his performance in Congress, I thought, what is up with this guy? And I looked into it and he had his background was not in math. It was like, I think, in languages or something, something that made me think he was tapped because of his ability to remember things. 
So yeah. I don't know if you have that impression. Like these people play their roles like Mueller, like you think. I, I think this guy's an operative. I think he's working with the Chatham House and the the British, who are, I believe there's far more evidence that the British elites that are behind the whole Russian meddling thing. Yeah, they're the ones who are interfering yeah. in our elections, and nobody seems to care it, because we call right. them allies. But whose ally are they? Ours right. or the elite? It, interestingly, the 2018 New Knowledge put out a report on Russian meddling in the midterms, even though they were exposed to, to, for fake Russian meddling in the midterms. They, who? Oh, wow. Yeah. that's And, and nobody, they just brush the stuff. It's what we coined as unpatriotic facts. They just get swept up. Onto the side. Yeah. Let me take a quick call, and then I've got like four or five things I simply have to take off. Do you have anything to – you have a last word on this guy or – Well, the New York Times, which initially posed a whitewash of this Birmingham project that they did in Alabama during the midterms. Destroy more. Yes, also published an article, Russian meddling in the midterms. Here's the data, and the data comes from New Knowledge. It's unbelievable. It is crazy. And the reason that New Knowledge got outed is that somebody they were debriefing tech people to, like, kind of be on their team was, I think, horrified and leaked it. Yeah. And they must have leaked it in a way that was effective because The New York Times, Washington Post, and The Wall Street Journal all had to address it. Although every one of the articles starts with, it is unlikely to have made an impact. Meanwhile, it was... Definitely, absolutely, highly likely yes. to make all the actual evidence of what they did, how much they spent, the margin, and and even Garland Favrito of Voter GA said even with after all that he still thinks Roy Moore won. Yeah, and it definitely made an impact. You just got to go look at the headlines back then. And all it had to do is make enough of an impact that if you stole it from them, it would be believable. Mm-hmm. So that's really all they probably wanted and not even necessarily to change the votes. Yeah. It's just to make it plausible that the other guy won. Let me take this call and then we're going to do some triage. I'm going to Wes and Roswell. Hi, Wes. You're on with Monica. Hey. Um, as a first time listener, I just want to say uh, what a relief. Uh, thank you so much for your work. <laughs> right on. <laughs> Thanks um, for calling. Uh, thank you. It's, uh, it seems to me like these days the uh, new left almost wants us to go to war, if for no other reason than to turn around and say that Trump screwed up. Um, I'm going to hang up and listen. Yeah. Thanks again. Good point. They they certainly want to blame stuff on him. One of the other things I didn't say earlier that I was thinking, yes, he, he may be in place to start the thing with Iran. They don't care about it. They're not going to object to it. If you look like Hillary and her cronies benefited from what happened in the Middle East, benefited from Libya, uh, from you know, they, there's big picture geopolitical implications here, but also guys who get contracts to rebuild hospitals. When you hear that we blow up hospitals and water treatment facilities, it looks like we're clowns. But I, I, I have a sneaking suspicion that's what you blow up because that's where the money is for rebuilding. So, yes, I think that's true that they do want it and they certainly are not trying to stop it. And the other thing they're going to want to blame uh, Trump for, which Dean on Twitter was the first one. He said it like the day after Trump got elected. I was like, what just happened? And he said, well, somebody's got to take the fall for zero interest rates in perpetuity. We got to reset to we got to reset the new normal. And who better than than a conservative, you know, titular conservative? Thanks for the call. That was great. Let's do our let's take off all the things. That we didn't get to yet. And maybe in the podcast, Binkley, we can get to some of the rest of the stuff. So uh, you were talking about 
Binkley, that they're already talking about 2020 Russian interference. So they talk about 2016, then they talk about 2018. Now they're up to 2020. Yeah. You've noticed that everywhere or what? Everywhere, even during the Mueller testimony, he said, yeah, it's a threat in 2020. In fact, we're being interfered with right now as we speak. This was like the clearest line he was able to say the entire – he suddenly (laughs) got it together to say this line. Right. Yeah, that's why I think like his like dementia act is actually still too coherent for yeah. the, you know his pattern. There's a pattern there. So if I had to pick one reason for this Russian stuff, I mean clearly and or I should say I have been anticipating year after year, season after season that it's always a reality show. There always has to be uh, something in the center ring, and that's what this is for sure. However, as far as underlying purpose, the purpose is to attack the the and they, even when they talk about it, they talk about it. They the, you want they are attacking or concerned about confidence in elections. Confidence. They never talk about integrity. They talk about confidence <laughs> and integrity. They you know you, you'll notice that a lot. Confidence in Congress. Confidence in the media. Never integrity. What we want is integrity. Confidence will follow. So. They care about the confidence in the elections and the way that they undermine that, which is part of the plan, is talking about this Russian stuff, which is why both sides are in agreement with it, even though there's no evidence for it. Yeah, and there was a bill presented right after the hearing that, from my understanding, would essentially kind of federalize the elections. Okay, so I have four things here, and I'm going to want you to comment on the last one for sure, Binkley, because I know you follow this stuff. The... Number one goal in my mind since Bush had the hanging chat in 2000, which I think was real. Like, I I, I don't think that was – I think there was funny business. I don't know who really won, but, like, I don't think that was all on the up and up. But they always – they, the powers that be, always make lemonade. They yeah. just make lemonade. So here's this uh, election integrity, and they were just like, holy cow, this is so great. I can't believe how much conflict and unrest there is, how divided people are, how focused they are on the people and the parties and not the policies. So that was like a boon. And ever since then, the the integrity of the election, the legitimacy of the president has been center stage. And it's nobody anymore ever says, well, he was elected. I support him. He's our president. Let's work together. No. From then it was Bush. Then it was Obama. Then uh, Hillary Cruz would both have. I always wondered what the Cruz thing was, why people weren't knocking him out for having that really sketchy Canadian birth that both of his parents were Canadian citizens at a time that you could not have dual citizenship. I mean, that's just the that was just the facts and the books. And then Hillary, of course, was all set up to have too many illegal voters. So election integrity, the the legitimacy of the president is a main theme that's happening right now. This will will do that. The federalizing the election. You know, who's right on top and center stage of of that whole theme, election integrity, our very own Stacey Abrams. Oh, of course. Yes. The voter stuff. And of course, the lie with that is that she was nose to nose in the face of Kemp and didn't talk about the real election integrity problem in 2016, mm-hmm. which ground zero was his office. Yeah. As we know from Voter GA, if you want to know more about that, listen to my past shows on it. Garland Favorito did a lot of work on it. I mean, talk about disappearing servers. They wiped the servers so we could not investigate the shenanigans that went on in the 2016 election right here in Georgia. And why didn't she talk about that before it was too late? 
Maybe she just forgot about it. <laughs> I think she prefers to be imaginary governor so she can run <laughs> for actual president. So another thing I think is on the agenda is that this stuff is being used as an excuse to censor social media because of what the, this uh, I don't know where this came from. These private companies have all this political power. Like nobody notices every one of these is a, a monopoly in their niche. And then the guy who's doing my website, I love him to death. He sent me a thing like if you look at Twitter, it reports to Facebook in the code. I really don't understand that. Did, but well, I'll have to follow up on that maybe in the podcast. But like these guys are all there are incestuous relationships that traces back to DARPA. Uh, speaking of which. The last thing is that they're talking about deep fakes are going to affect the 2020 election. What to watch out for. And speaking of deep fakes, there's a tweet from Jonathan Morgan just last week. The new knowledge CEO. Mm -hmm, where he says, if you're waiting for deep fakes to happen, you're already too late. Because <laughs> apparently there was a politician in another country who during a parliamentary hearing was crying because they aired a deep fake video of him having uh, relations with another man. <laughs> and I'm sure that didn't. Why would you air that yes. during a parliamentary hearing is what I want to know. They Oh, they did it in the hearing? That's what the article said. Oh, my word. Well, I figure that is a trial run. That's what they do. You hear these stories in other countries and then they come here. But if you look back, the first time I ever saw an example of a deep fake was a video that is absolutely has millions and millions of hits. So it wasn't suppressed like my videos get. But <laughs> they uh, they had this Stanford students were showing that you could show a politician saying stuff that he wasn't really saying. They can fake the voice, fake the look, and that came out of Stanford. And funny enough, Stanford was one of was on one end of the first two-way communication from ARPANET, which is the parent of or the first iteration of the internet, and ARPA morphed to DARPA, which is the defense research arm. That so I, I listened to this great podcast by James Corbett about stuff that We've been talking about lately, he just has does, does such great research and really brought out like the connections between the defense contractors and uh, industry and the government and Silicon Valley. And it's just great. And, you you know, once you see that, you know, if it's coming out of Stanford, if it's coming out of the, the birthplace of ARPANET. Deep fakes are coming from the deep state. Yeah. There's no two ways about it. So let's wrap it up after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. It's like everything in the blood to believe is only a fool. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We have so much more stuff on new knowledge and all the BS around Russian interference. We ha absolutely have to do our next podcast. So you can listen to the show on Wednesday at thepropreport.com. Subscribe, share it with your friends. Thursday, we should have a, a podcast that just carries this on because there's just too much on the cutting room floor here and we've got to wrap it up. Uh, I want a couple of what to watch out for is I think Al Franken's going to make a comeback. I'm probably not the only one who thinks that. And I since the day Jon Stewart retired from The Daily Show, I figured he would run for Senate. So let's see what, where if those two guys come. And there's also a what to watch out for right here in Atlanta, our own Brad Binkley. Tell us what to watch out for coming from you. 
in the near future. August 10th at 8 p.m., I will be in an improvised comedic action show called Astronaut University. That's Saturday, August 10th at Relapse Theater in Atlanta. Tickets are $15 at the door, 10 online. You can find a link pinned at the top of my Twitter at freedomactradio.com if you want to check that out. And you can subscribe to the Propaganda Report podcast on iTunes or any of your platforms of choice by going to thepropreport.com and clicking on any of the show links. All the links are within the description. So the astronaut... Is is that what your Twitter picture is? Johnny Blastoff. I have wondered what that picture is. So it looks like that mystery will be revealed for all who go. So and they, they can see that at Freedom Act Radio. At Freedom Act Radio pinned to the top. Twitter handle that's pinned to the top. That's great. Okay. Well, in the meanwhile, you can listen to that stuff at thepropreport.com. You can talk to us at the pool there. Or you can tune back into WSB next Saturday from 3 to 6 for the Monica Perez Show.